everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You're listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we're going to talk about why sales forecasting gives you dangerous tunnel vision and why you need to look at the full funnel instead. Enjoy. The energy in the room is palpable. <laughs> is that word of the day? Yeah. Explain. What does it mean? You can touch it. Okay. You can touch the energy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's metaphors, you know. Have you heard about this? Sure. Talking about things metaphorically. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, I'm just here to ask you questions. And it's just like my daughter. She's at the age now where it's like, why? She does the 10 whys, not the five, the 10 whys. So it's really like Leah was pointing out, <clears throat> was like... Uh, Tony, you should do a sermon on yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. And now we're doing it, oh, actually. Right. So we can tag her. We can tag her as legit. Uh, no, so uh, we have been talking a bit about forecasting yeah. as of late. And um, we've talked about it actually also in a previous episode, the sales forecast. And there are actually some fundamental issues that we're going to get into today. That's it. And also, obviously, what you should do instead. Uh, we're just not going to leave you staring into the void here and that's what we're gonna get into so i mean it is a bigger conversation so i'm hoping you've done your homework for us to talk about this today let's see let's always. see about that <laughs> so sales forecast yes the thing is everyone on the planet is doing a sales forecast it's number one job requirement for anyone in sales operations revenue operations right hey mm. we need to have a sales forecast the CEOs asking the CEO every day, how's, this, how's the forecast going? Yeah. Uh, the CEO is spending hours and hours and hours to grill the VPs, grill the directors, grill the reps on is the forecast tight? Yeah. Yeah. And um, and all of this is 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 good and and, and such, but um, really kind of when you think about what is the forecast actually for? What's the purpose of the forecast? I think if you're honest with some of these things, and we're going to go through the purposes here a little bit, you got to ask yourself, well, is that is it actually achieving those purposes? Yeah. Right? So let's just let's just start with it helps sales to achieve their goals. So we googled a little bit, and I think it's a, it's a HubSpot source. You know, why yeah. do you do sales forecasting? And you know, they did a great SEO thing, you know, on this. So let's kind of jump uh, use this actually. And you know, number one is it helps sales achieve their goals. So to a degree. I would probably disagree with that. Yeah. Um, it's it's not necessarily helping you to achieve your goals. It, it helps you to know uh, where you're going to land. Yeah. Whether or not that matches your goal or if it's below, that doesn't actually matter to sales forecasting or the sales forecast or this whole operation that's built around this uh, this tradition almost, right? Yeah. I think it's, it's a tradition really. Number two, it helps identify early warning signs. I would also put a question mark to this. Yes, it will probably help you earlier that you're going to miss, right? But it tells you actually too late to do much about it. Yeah. It's an early warning sign, yes, but whatever it's warning you for, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, it happens. So then it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a useless early warning sign then. <laughs> it's like your car ran out of petrol yeah. now yeah. <laughs> yeah oh man yeah exactly no but it's also like we've uh we, we checked out some stats uh, around how long it takes to create an opportunity 
which is what you're forecasting, right? Mm. And I think for marketing, it was like five to six months. Mm. I don't know about outbound, but surely it just does take some time, right, to get those into the pipe. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's it's the, the, the sales cycle and then it's actually not really the sales cycle. It's more like 60% of the sales cycle because when something enters your pipeline, you're not going to use that for forecasting because you don't know. Yeah. Right. There's, you can ask the rep, hey, is this still going to close? And I was like, hey, I had my first meeting yesterday. With yeah. them. I, <laughs> like the guy, but. Seemed like a good chap. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it really always will take a little bit until you have clarified their needs and, oh, yes, we have a solution that fits. And, and around that time, their will or will not start to become, you know, forecastable, right? Yeah. Where you have an idea of when they might close, uh, for how much. And how likely, right? And and that really means if you have a three-month sales cycle, you only have, what is it, six, seven weeks of forecasting window, really? Yeah. Um, and to put it into perspective, if you run quarterly, a quarterly business, basically, uh, you have three-month sales cycles, that's great, but you can still, up until the middle of the quarter, create new opportunities that might still end up winning in that quarter. Yeah. So that that just gives you an understanding of like, hey, this is this is this is difficult to kind of use as an uh, potentially as an early warning sign, right? Yeah. Then it helps you make better business decisions. Oh boy. About it's, what? Um, it's it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to comment on this. Everything you know, I would say everything helps you to make better business decisions, right? And it's kind of this is one of those fluffy ones where clearly the writer for HubSpot was like. It needs to be three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there need to be three things It's here. the rule of three. Come that's, on. That's yeah. what I learned. Yeah. Uh, and one makes sense, two makes sense. What could three be? You know, what better business decisions, right? Yeah. So uh, we're obviously kind of pooping a little bit all over the sales forecast. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's unfair to one main degree. I believe it's a great way to enable your sales team. Yeah. That's how we need to think about sales forecasting. It's not there to, you know, hit more revenue and stuff. It's there to teach your sales reps. Hmm. And what what it should be used for in most cases, and there's a lot of time kind of going into this. Number one, trying to remove obstacles from your, you know, for your sales reps. It could be that there's something stuck on your legal side. It could be that there's a feature that needs to be, I don't know, written into the contract. It yeah. can be so many things where a rep is stuck. And a forecasting meeting is a great way to have that conversation to try and get this the the rep unstuck, yeah. right? And sometimes it can be things where uh, someone doesn't have an idea how to progress a deal, and then you know in that in that forum uh, you might actually get an idea, yeah. right? And then number two, it's really a way to teach and discuss and train and practice the sales process that you have put in place. Again, it's. Sales forecasting really means there's a probability that that sales process ends in a in a deal by that time frame, mm. and then how can you help you know push that through? Right? Yeah, and uh, you know bad forecasting signs like hey you don't know who the economic buyer is, uh, you haven't talked to them in three weeks. You know all of these things are signals that can um, where you can you know teach the rep so to speak that that is bad. Yeah. <laughs> you need you need to figure out who the economic buyer is. That should be your next step. Or yeah. you need to jump on the horn with them and talk to them and figure whatever the you know whatever's next out. That's a it's a tool to help them work through this. Yeah. And now, yes, sure, you can say that obviously, kind of that in itself is is helping improve your conversion rates and close win rates and so forth. I totally agree with this. 
but the um, but that needs to be the the central point of forecasting in itself, right? Yeah. And um, then you have this whole cascading and rolling up of everything. But the 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 issue here is the the only thing um, that you're gonna get more accurate about as you. Uh, you know, work through this is is more accuracy on by how much are you going to miss the gap. It will be extremely difficult at that point in time, in a, you know, through a forecasting meeting to try and close the gap. Yeah. Right. What usually happens when someone sees there's a big gap coming, uh, this is where then oh, you know, here are my committed deals and here are my you know best case deals and so forth. And I mean, I've been sitting there many times myself, and really, what happens to hit target in those forecasting calls is you know what, let's uh, let's just be a bit more bullish on those best case deals. And and what happens is they obviously don't come in. They don't close. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's just what it is. You're left with that, right? And then the other thing is, really, when you, when you think about what, what the issues are that are kind of hanging around this, well, it's really only focusing on, on the later stage sales steps, yeah. right? That limits your visibility into the future. It almost exclusively focuses on this quarter yeah sure i've heard some fairy tales about some really well organized you know sales teams that have conversations about next quarter and their pipeline and so forth but in reality it's really all okay i need to hit my fucking number this quarter yeah it's not anything else any later it's i've i've today's tony problems Mm. and you know tomorrow's tony's problems they can wait yeah (laughs) I want this commission check and yes. then let's deal with the next yes. one after. I need to make sure I don't get fired. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's it's usually only focused on this quarter, yeah. um, uh, which basically leaves you completely blind for the rest. Yeah. Right? And I think to a degree, this way of, I would call it tunnel vision, it's actually okay for your sales reps. Yeah. For your sales reps, it's actually fine. You know, try and declutter the world around them. They have one target to hit and one target only, and they need to figure out how they're going to get there. And, you know, then running it like this is the right way to do it. But everyone else around those reps, they don't, they can't only, you know, see until the end of the quarter. No. Um, and I'm not talking about the CFO or something like this. Yeah, sure, he or she, you know, will look for their hat. Uh, but the CRO the same, the VP sales the same, and so forth, right? There need to be, you know, a bunch of different people around that need to start having an eye also on next quarter. Yeah. And, and the question really is, how much does sales forecasting help you with figuring out where you're going to land next quarter? And the answer is not at all, yeah. like zero, right? Even for this quarter, it almost doesn't give you any tools to figure out how can you, you know, improve your chances to end up hitting this quarter. And and that's that's just fundamentally broken about this thing, yeah, right? Yeah. And my, my main kind of issue in saying kind of about sales forecasting and sales forecasting and when you sit in those meetings the problem is never what you discuss in the meeting. The problem is what isn't part of the meeting. And, yeah. and, and those are all the opportunities, all the deals that you haven't created that now should be part of that conversation to have a chance to close the gap and hit the target. The, you know, that's, that's really the issue. So really the, the conversation should be more about the stuff that isn't there yeah. instead of talking about the stuff that is there. Right. At least if, if the purpose is about, okay, how can we kind of hit this target and, and that's that's the problem, right? If you use it right, this is kind of you know wrap this up. Sales forecasting is a sales enablement session or a sales enablement tool to number one uh, try and determine if there are any bottlenecks, any blockers you can help them with, and number two 
it's an enablement in the sense of teaching them and getting better and running the sales process and improving their yeah, chances yeah. to win and so forth. And some accountability as well, I guess. But the, so the funny thing is, if you look at a lot of the forecasting elements, they would be sold on, we will make you more predictable, or you yeah. will hit your targets and yeah. blah, 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 all that stuff. But if you look at the bow tie, meaning your funnel end to end, the sales stage is just one piece of the entire puzzle that creates revenue. And I think you and I have talked about in the past the fact that account execs, they, they don't create revenue. They close it. They convert it. So there's other elements to, to cover in this whole process. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I ran recently, I ran a, a LinkedIn post on this. And if you really imagine the, the bow ties, so those two funnels connected together in the middle, if, if you then were to you know, draw an area where sales forecasting really happens, it's literally at the, the, the middle bottom small area yeah. of the whole bow tie. Right, yeah. so I forgot what the different areas are being called, but selection, I think, or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Kind of that—that that is the area where forecasting, sales forecasting, comes in, and that can give you visibility throughout that stage. Yeah. Um, but they don't know about anything that is further up funnel. No. Because you only look at the opportunity, and forecasting tools only look at the opportunity in that sense. Um, so you don't actually know, you know, what is coming down the pipeline. Should it be more? Should it be less? And so forth. You don't yeah. know. And number two, what happens on the customer side? Yeah. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. It's it's where probably 80, 90% of your revenue are sitting and there's no for, no, no way to look into the future. No. Right? There's no way. And um, I think we feel that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> and, and the funny thing about this is it's it's so blatantly clear it's staring you in the eye yeah but um it took also us you know a little bit of time to like hey wait a minute where's who's what do you use to forecast all the fucking rest here yeah and sometimes when um uh when i talk with folks about this and show them just one slide just kind of bring home the uh, the case and like hey this is the bow tie this is what you're using sales forecasting for yeah what what are you what are you using for the rest man yeah (laughs) (laughs) and the answer is like literally nothing yeah right and I think this is where we believe go-to-market forecasting yeah. is a, you know, it's not better. It's I don't think it's replacing sales forecasting, mm. but it's a solution to look at the whole funnel end-to-end and really use, use that as a way to forecast not just sales, but the, the stages further up in the funnel as well. You know, you can say awareness and lead yeah. generation and so forth. But but just as much, also the other side of the bow tie, which is renewal, implementation, onboarding, yeah, upsell, churn, and so forth, to really have one forecasting that looks at basically lead origi- origination, close winning deals, mm. and then upsell and renewal, right? Um, yeah. Instead of only the uh, the new biz piece, yeah, if you will, right? So basically, a, a way to actually get more predictable and control over revenue production. So what so what what is what is that thing solving then for you? Yeah. Um well it extends the horizon by quite a lot. You you're not only looking at this quarter's uh, revenue anymore. Yeah. That's still part of it, um but it also allows you to look at next quarters and the one after and you know the one after that. Yeah. Um it it allows you to start uh, forecasting the different other steps and stages you have throughout your entire funnel. 
meaning it helps you to forecast how many leads are we going to have. Yeah. Which has an impact then on how many opportunities you're going to have. Which then, by the way, has an impact on all oh, the sales forecasting meeting isn't going so well because, you know, we're missing those 30 opportunities that we really needed in order to close yeah. the gap, right? And then, okay, as I'm adding more customers and I have, you know, my base, you need to forecast how many customers will I have, how much churn do I need to expect and so forth, right? And and the trick is, right, you can do this in an annual plan in Excel and all of this is kind of peachy and easy, but you actually need it on an ongoing basis. So how is, how is everything moving, right? Yeah. Once you started missing some of those revenue targets, once you started missing some of those top funnel targets, you need to have a way from the here and now, from the today to forecast the future, yeah. right? Which is what sales forecasting is all about, right? Sales forecasting is not like, oh, you know, I should have had a thousand opportunities that then convert down to access. Like, well, this is the pipeline I have and let's see kind of how much it closes, yeah, right? Yeah. And I think that I'm here right in the moment and I need to forecast more than just by the end of the quarter. That is what go-to-market uh, forecasting can, you know, can help you with. Okay, so how do you go about actually building this out? What do you need in place in order to, to conduct go-to-market forecasting? Yeah. So, you know, again, you know, what are the things we want to be solving for? So number one, it shouldn't be only for sales. Mm. Number two, it should be multiple quarters. It actually shouldn't only, so that, that might be clear to people, but it shouldn't only be new biz revenue. It should be a total revenue. Mm. Um, it's because you're looking multiple quarters ahead, it needs to be able to run different scenarios actually as well, right? And and therefore the the focus would be less on the sales rep and the deal. Really, this is what sales forecasting is all about, right? It's kind of, is this rep hitting target? Mm. And let me check his deals or yeah. her deals and see where there's risk there. It's all about that, right? It's again, sales rep performance, basically. Um, you would need to detach yourself from that level of looking at the funnel and instead look at it from a uh, initiative level or, or like a team level or a segment or channel or something like this. Because th those are number one, those are the levers you can pull in yeah. order to steer the engine, right? But also number two, this is this is the way you can look at your engine as a whole and understand, you know, what is going well and what is not going well. You you will not always look at the, you know, what maybe works for sales, like oh the the EMEA sales team is great and the US sales team isn't. That kind of works out, but that sometimes doesn't work for the rest of the funnel, actually. Uh, for the rest of the funnel, you can't say, you know, the SEO guy in the US is not, you know, delivering. Um that might be a root cause, by the way, um, but you, you would be much rather looking at the different channels. Uh, you'd be looking at maybe the different CTAs and so forth, right? Mm. And similarly, so on the on the customer side. So really having that lens in order to manage that all the way through, I think that that would be kind of the, the level of granularity you need to be uh, uh, looking at in order to kind of to manage this pretty well, right? Yeah. And the outcome, I think they have two main outcomes here. Number one is really, is really, more predictability in general, yeah, right? Um, just to kind of make this clear. So, you know, go-to-market forecasting won't help you with, you know, fixing this quarter end. That's that's not going to work anymore, but it can help you to make sure that, you know, next quarter end, uh, you're kind of getting out of the funk. Yeah. Um, and then number two, you know, because you have a bit more visibility and then, you know, through that comes predictability. And number two is really starting to have uh, a better understanding of what works and why for how much money to drive this efficiency piece also in it 
yeah. right? Kind of those are those are I think the main the main big ticket elements, if you will, that help you to kind of move the machine forward, understand what's working, what's not working, replace some of the parts, and start to get a smoother ride, if you will, less choppy, yeah. less less all over the place results, and uh, and and actually kind of more more you know efficiency actually coming out of this. Yeah. And moving through this, right? So how would you put something like this together, right? Yes. When you think about sales forecasting in and of itself, it's uh, usually stage-based, has percentages there. It looks at those uh, opportunities and then there's an override and maybe use some AI from like Clary or, you know, Gong or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and really what this is, it's they're, they're generating a, you know, a model of your sales process. Mm. That's kind of what they do. And in go-to-market forecasting, you would need to have a model for the whole go-to-market. Yeah. Right? So you need to have an understanding how, how are all of these things actually working together, mm. uh, just instead of only on the sales process level, on the overall level. Yeah. Right? Number two, yes, you will be able to see past performance and you know project some of that stuff forward, but especially once you're starting to look a couple of months into the future, a couple of quarters into the future, uh, you need to take that model and you need to augment this a little bit. Uh, by saying, number one, maybe you want to run different scenarios, which is kind of, that that stands out because, well, in sales forecasting, you can't do that. There's no, no way to kind of run scenarios. And I'm like, exactly, that's not a good thing. Um, <laughs> you also don't need it, don't get me wrong. You know, if you will, your commit and best case and all of that, those might be different scenarios to a degree. But, you know, if you put the longer lens on, then things like different um, different hires, different initiatives, yeah, different product releases and so forth. They might they might impact your ability to generate revenue, and you wanna you wanna be able to forecast these things. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, so let's just say that's kind of plan, quote unquote. And then ultimately, you you will need to then kind of as you walk through, you will need to be able and understand. Okay, we are here today mm. with all the best information that we have access to, which is yesterday's data, yeah, which is all the updated uh, information that I as an operator kind of have, you want to understand where where is that going to land us by the end of this quarter, by the end of next quarter, and so forth, right? Yeah. And that's where really the forecasting piece comes in. And, and the reason why it's, why it's really difficult is, let's just say you're in April, uh, you have missed a revenue target here and there, and you have missed top funnel targets here and there. Yeah. What you can say, if, you know, against your top-down plan, you can say, hey, we've been short here, here, and here on the revenue side, and that's gap X. And you can say we were behind on hires, and we are, you know, low on MQLs. You can yeah. say these things. That's it, absolutely. What you cannot say is, okay, since we have been low on hires, and since we have been behind on MQLs, what is that? That impact already there, how is that accumulating towards a revenue problem into the future? Yeah. You, you cannot do this from a top-down plan or from, you know, the math behind it. And then number two, what you then as a, as a third thing really, really want to know is, okay, so we have been behind on hiring. We have been low on MQLs. How is that information most likely going to impact our ability to hire going forward? Yeah and our confidence around this, and how most likely is this going to impact um, our ability to acquire those MQLs going forward, mm. right? And that's then where the full funnel forecasting comes into play, right? It's really, okay, 
on the M so let's just stay on the silly MQL <laughs> example. But on the MQL level now, you would understand, okay, best chances are if we were to forecast out how the MQL is going to develop, that's what it's going to be. Yeah. And how is that then in the future going to impact my uh, ability to generate revenue well by X? Right? Yeah. And if you bring those three things together, uh, revenue you've already missed, top funnel target you've already missed in the past, and understanding how that is going to impact you in terms of revenue going forward. And then number three, top funnel miss that will translate into a top funnel miss also in the future. Yeah. And how that then impacts revenue. Only then you have actually a true forecast of how the likely not this, but next quarter, the end of the year is actually going to pan out. Yeah. Right. That, that is a forecast. Yeah. And that forecast now gives you clarity on how big your problem really is. Yeah. Which CFOs, CROs, CEOs really, really like. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's actually what it is. And it then also gives you the ability to, okay, so now that we know that we have a $2 million problem, we need to find a $2 million solution to this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Liggity split. Yes. Yeah. And, um, uh, and this, is, this, is, this is the ability to do, you know, full funnel, end-to-end, go-to-market forecasting. That's what that helps you to achieve, right? Yeah. And um, the, I think the, the interesting thing is the rituals around it, mm. um, they're actually very similar. When you think about you have, uh, you sit down on a weekly level with your sales rep to go through the forecast, right? Yeah. I think on a weekly, you know, fortnightly, monthly, whatever level, you would be sitting down as like, hey, let you know, how's the forecast for all of the different go-to-market stages looking like? Yeah, how's yeah. that going to impact us? Who's owning what? Who's fixing what? And uh, then you have a, uh, what I recently learned is called a remediation plan. Mm-hmm. So you have that in sales uh, forecasting, like, okay, there's a problem coming up. You know, what are we going to do about this? You know, you're going to call Bob. Yeah. And, and Bob <laughs> is going to help you, you know, win this deal. And, you know, I'm going to go there and, you know, we're going to, that best case, next time we meet, we need to build this into a commit case. And yeah. all of that stuff, that's your remediation plan that you're checking in on and making sure you're doing the right things. Well, the same thing needs to happen uh, across your full go-to-market team, not yeah, just for yeah. sales. And it's like, okay, so... <laughs> MQLs again, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're low there. Yeah. You know what's the remediation plan? How are we going to get this back on track? Yeah. Um, we're behind on hiring. How do we gonna How are we gonna fix that problem? How do we get back on track there? Right. Mm. Um, and then as you kind of go through this, um, you know, basically kind of there's this. You know, it's just a it's just a wheel. It's like a circle, yeah. right? Uh, you fix these things. You log in. Uh, you check in on them. You you hopefully see that it's working out, and you hopefully see that the gap that's being forecasted towards the end of the year, is starting to shrink. Yeah. So you're starting to put in uh, measures in your remediation plan that are starting to hit and work out. And then you can, you know, you can more and more, you know, for, see the forecast actually moving closer to where you want it to be. Mm. And that for me, my friend, that's that's an early warning sign right yeah. there. <laughs> that's a way to fix your gap right there. Yeah. Uh, and sure, you know, I'll take helps better, you know, make better decision business decisions as well here. Yeah. Um, but that is actually a way how it can use uh, full go-to-market forecasting mm. to help you fix that problem over time. Yeah. I think it's also something we've heard folks talk about being somewhat in a cadence and operating cadence, but lightly so. And and also my hunch is quite often it's more of a, let's say, gut-based forecast. Yeah. 
um, you know, sure, a marketing leader will know what's coming in a quarter. They know, hey, we're going to a conference there, so that's going to deliver roughly so and so. But using using actual data to understand, hey, if we don't get 50 MQLs more from marketing next month, that's going to mean the month after we're going to miss out yeah. on 20 opportunities, which in two months' time is going to be this amount of revenue. And that's that's the superpower at the end of the day. I also think <laughs> the reason why those sales forecasts are so exciting and interesting mm. and why they're happening all the time, it's sure it's about revenue. Um, that's That's more interesting. But it's also, you're looking into the future. Yeah. You know? And you can be hopeful, you can be fearful. <laughs> uh, all of all of those emotions are rushing into you. When you look at the standard weekly or MBR or something like this, it's like last week we were like 2% behind target. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Fucking boring. Right? <laughs> I don't want to know what happened last week. Tell me what's gonna happen next week. Yeah. Um, and and all of those, all of those sessions, they lack the forward-looking piece yeah. that sales forecasting has. And sales forecasting, therefore, I believe, is just simply so much more interesting. Kind of yeah. the the uncertainty of the future is so much more alluring uh, than the stale past, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And and also, we, when you really kind of have a, uh, a a clear way to talk about the future, it's it's much more let's just say almost energetic to make you know put in a plan in place, kind of fix something. And plan yeah. is like it sounds like a big word, but just you know, let's take some actions to fix this thing, please. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, yeah. I think I think it's difficult. It's difficult to put the same energy behind it. Yeah. When it's always like, oh, you know, we were behind on you know whatever, uh, <laughs> versus, hey, we were behind on this, and my forecast now says that because we are behind and we are likely going to stay behind, this is going to generate a you know one million gap by the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, or half a million get by the end of next quarter, or what? However you want to see it, I think we now need to do something about this. Yeah, right? yeah. Having having that that kind of ability and you know talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I think that that can be extremely powerful. But you know what? Also, the power, and we haven't even talked about this. The power of spotting some of these things early is you have more options mm -hmm. on the table, and some of those options are going to be cheaper as well. Versus if you let it, if you realize it at a forecasting stage then already four months-ish has yeah. passed, then you know what? Hiring that person a bit faster that you missed, it's not going to cut it. No. It's not going to cut it, right? And and so I think that, you know, just realizing the importance of those elements is key. Yeah. If if I was a VP of sales, by the way, that gets grilled all the freaking time on my forecast and, you know, all this behind and you're going to miss, I would, I would love a way to get everyone else into the same grilling seat yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, really make sure, okay, I'm talking about the future. I'm talking about I'm going to mess things up. But by the way, the reality why I'm messing things up is at least to 50% carried by my friend Jack over here Yeah, that's covering marketing yeah. and not delivering stuff, right? And, um, and and I think building this out and having this this also be clear, yeah. um, I think I would... Why, why the fuck not? Yeah. And by the way, so subtle right hook here. We hope you build a plan. The model yeah. and I think, the forecast. I think people got that. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, by the way, I kind of, I've realized something. I know, I know now, probably, I have a hunch, why we're not getting as many reviews as we could be getting. I think there's a cap on word count. So, you know, we've asked for lengthy reviews, 500 words. I don't think you can do that, actually. <laughs> I think they cap it in iTunes. 
Yeah, that must be the reason. That must be. Otherwise, still, leave a review. Even in spite of, leave a review. 500 words plus. No, absolutely. If you like this, if you're still listening after <laughs> 60 episodes and 35 minutes here now, yeah. um, give us a review. would uh, help the cause a lot. And uh, thanks a bunch. Thank you, Tony. Thanks, Thank Miguel. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.